We are uh, on our way through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which is uh, a cascade of grace. Over and over and over again, God wants to shower you with his grace because the theme of Ephesians is that the grace of God shapes the people of God to walk with God. And uh, I uh, was, was grateful for Lee's prayer uh, preparing us for our time in the Word. And so I ask you at this time to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6. Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. J.I. Packer made the observation that adoption is the highest privilege of the Christian life. Martin Luther made the contention that justification is the doctrine by which the church rises or falls. And while that is true, Packer says that even greater than a than justification is the blessing of adoption, the blessing that I am a child of God. In the ancient world, especially in the Roman world, if a couple was uh, getting older and, and did not have a male heir that would be able to inherit the family estate, they would uh, look out in their in their community and their, their known social networks and they would look for a young man who would be worthy of adopting that they would be able then to bring this young man into their family to be able to carry on the family name they would look for a man who who had proven himself who would uh who looked to have the potential to do honor to the family and then being able to give him the rights of being their son adopting him. This is legal adoption. Quite a bit different than the adoption that we are usually accustomed to because much of the, the adoption that, that we are accustomed to with infants is really reflecting the adoption that is gospel adoption. And what I want us to look at this morning in, in the time that we have left is the, the adoption that has been given to us from God as those who've placed faith in Jesus Christ. And, and here's, here's how I want you to, to see this section this morning, is that God is praised when the security of your adoption produces holiness in your life. How is it that God is going to be praised? How is God going to receive praise from your life? And it's, it's going to happen when you understand the security of your adoption and the security of your adoption produces holiness in your life. And, and I want us to see this just in, in, in three sections. First of all, what is the meaning of adoption? 
And what do we mean when we talk about being adopted by God? And then secondly, how is this adoption secure? How, how do you know that the adoption that, that God has given to you in Christ is really dependable? And then thirdly, I want us to look at the achievement of adoption. What is it that God intends to do in your life by adopting you into his family? So I want to look first of all this morning at the meaning of adoption. The meaning of adoption. The, Paul says to us here in, in verse 5, he says, He predestined us for adoption as sons. Uh, this is, is not Paul's uh, attempt at, at only addressing half uh, of this congregation. He's not only talking to the men. He's not attempting to simply be sexist. What, what Paul is doing in, in talking about gospel adoption is that he is, is going back into the theme of the Old Testament where sons of God was uh, a title that, that occurred throughout the Old Testament, first of all, as the privilege of the nation of Israel. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, God says to Moses, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. As a nation, the, the nation of Israel carried this privilege of, of being sons of God. But God particularly focused this as, as history went on and into the, the person of the king. That the, the king of Israel was the one who was specifically for the nation, the son of God. The Davidic king was known as God's son. And God had said this to, to David in 2 Samuel 7, uh, verse 12. When your days are fulfilled... And you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now God's purpose in adopting Israel as his son, in, in declaring the king as the son of God, his, his purpose was that his own glory would be put on display to the world. But time after time, the history of the Old Testament, the history of Israel, the history of the kings, is that they failed to reflect the glory of God. They actually rejected God as their father. And this is really the situation that, that every single one of us find ourselves in. We are those who have rejected the fatherhood of God. And as a result, we are enslaved to sin. The good news of the gospel is that that God has actually taken upon himself the remedy for the situation that we have created. And we see that fulfilled in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The only real hope that we have as people in our relationship with God, is that he would adopt us. Adoption is our only hope. And so J.I. Packer writes, God adopts us out of free love, not because our character and record shows us worthy to bear his name. It's not like the legal adoption of the, the first century Roman culture, where worthiness brought about adoption. No, God adopts us when we are not worthy despite the fact that our records show the opposite of worthiness. Packer continues, we are not fit for a place in God's family. The idea of his loving and exalting us sinners as he loves and has exalted the Lord Jesus 
sounds ludicrous and wild. Yet that, and nothing less than that, is what our adoption means. To be adopted as a child of God means simply this, that because of the work of Jesus Christ and receiving him by faith, you are a child of God. You have been brought into God's family and you receive all of the privileges that belong to having God as your father. The question is, how can you know that this is something that is secure? How can you know this is for you? You know, we, we go through ups and downs in our life. That we all, we all read God's word. We, we know what God requires and how oftentimes our, our lives fail to live up to what we see in Scripture. How can we know in the, in the circumstances of life that happen to us that are beyond our control that, we, uh, that our place in God's family really is secure? I want to show you right here from these verses what the language that Paul uses, the language inspired by the Holy Spirit that Paul uses to show us that our adoption is a secure adoption. First of all, God adopted you with a heavenly adoption. God adopted you with a heavenly adoption. Look with me there in verse 3, where it says, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, when we, we see heavenly here, we should not be thinking of a place primarily that is far away. We should not be thinking of heavenly as, as airy or any less real than what we can touch, what we see here on earth. To talk about something being in the heavenly places here in the book of Ephesians is to, to talk about uh, a place of authority. It's a place of power. That to have an, a heavenly adoption is to have a, an adoption that is secure because it is with Christ who has all authority. Look with me in chapter 1, verse 20, where it talks about God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That to have a heavenly adoption is to have an adoption that is sealed with the authority of Christ far above any other power, any other dominion that exists in this world. It is a secure adoption because it is a heavenly adoption. Secondly, you can know that your adoption is secure because it is an eternal adoption. Your adoption is an eternal adoption. Legal adoption was always a, a plan B, that a couple did not get what they wanted in their family. They did not get the son as their plan A, and so they had to adopt for a plan B. But God's adoption of you is not his plan B. It was an eternal adoption. Look with me at verse 4. It says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God's plan A was to adopt you as a believer in Jesus Christ into his family. Before God said, let there be light, he said, I will adopt you as my child because of Jesus Christ. It's a heavenly adoption. It's secure because it's an eternal adoption. And you can know that your adoption is secure because it is a predestined adoption. God adopted you with a predestined adoption. Look with me at verse 5. It says, He predestined us for adoption as sons. Now, without a doubt, predestination is one of the most mysterious doctrines that we have in Scripture. 
But just because this is a doctrine that is hard for us to understand doesn't mean that that should stop us from embracing it whenever the Bible teaches it to us. And this is a doctrine that God has given to us that we would be secure in the adoption that God has given to us. Look at the the basis for this predestination is not in anything that we have done. It's secure because it's based upon what God has done. John 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In Romans chapter 9, Paul looks at the case of of, uh, Jacob and Esau, and and he wants to make it clear that, that God's purposes are not based upon anything that he sees in us, that God's purposes in, in choosing us is not because he saw something in us ahead of time and, and chose to bring us into his family. Romans 9, verses 10 and 11. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. See, one of the purposes of predestination is that you could be sure that your adoption is secure. So you can be sure in the security of your adoption because it's a heavenly adoption, that it is an eternal adoption, it is a predestined adoption, and your adoption is secure because it is a lovingly purposeful adoption. It's right here at the end of verse 4. Look how verse 4 ends. In love. He predestined us for adoption. And then look how it, how verse 5 ends, according to the purpose of his will. So the idea that God has predestined you for adoption is, is sandwiched between two things. It's sandwiched between God's love and it's sandwiched between his purpose. And this is a lovingly purposeful adoption. God was not coerced in any way to adopt you into his family. That God's purpose was not a cold, calculating, uh, this is step one, step two, step three. No, God adopted you as a way to express his pleasure, what he wanted to do. The word that we see here for purpose is a Greek word. It's trans, uh, the Greek word is eudikia. And, and this word eudikia is, is used throughout scripture many times to express uh, graciousness or pleasure. Jesus actually uses this, this word in Matthew 11, verse 26, when he says, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. The purpose that God had to adopt you into his family was his kind intention to you. That, that God adopted you into his family because it's what he really wanted to do. And so, your adoption is secure because it's a lovingly purposeful adoption. Lastly, I want you to see that God adopted you with a Christ-loving adoption. God adopted you with a Christ-loving adoption. Look with me at the end of verse 6, where it says, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Our attention is drawn here to the fact that, that Jesus is the one supremely that God loves. I don't know what it was like for you in your relationship with your father. 
I, I was blessed with a, a really good relationship with my father. But there was something in me that, that really wanted to please my father. I, I didn't want to disappoint him. I, I really wanted to, to do what he wanted me to do. I, I'm kind of a perfectionist that, that if, if I do something wrong, I, I really tend to, to, to take that heavily upon myself. And so to me, the, the idea that, that God is, is my father is, is an idea that's, that's attractive to me, yet, yet how often I look at, you know, I feel like I've disappointed him. And so the, there's a part of me that has always said, God, how, how can you, how, how do you really love me when, when you know how I fail time and time again? And then it, I realized that, that God's love for me is a love that he has given to me. It's a love that he has given to you that is the very love he gives to his son, Jesus. Jesus said this in John 17, verse 26. He says, I made them, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Oh, the wonder of the love of God for you the love that God has for you is a love that existed before you were even a thought in God's mind. Before the world was ever created, God had an eternal love for his son. And, and, and God's love that he has for his son is a love that he now has for you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the love that God has for you is the very love that he loves Jesus with. Oh, this adoption is a secure adoption. Now, God, in adopting us, has a purpose. See, God wants to achieve something by adopting us. And so I want us to see the achievement of adoption. And it's so important at this point, as, as we take this turn, we take this turn from this foundation that, that you are an adopted child of God, you belong to his family, you're secure. We want to be really intentional that we keep an, the, the right perspective on God's adoption of us. That God has this twofold purpose in adoption. And I, I want you to see both purposes here because they go together. First of all, in verse 4, we see the first purpose. That even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, here's the purpose, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So here's purpose number one. Why did God adopt you into his family? He adopted you that you would be holy and blameless before him. It's so important that oftentimes when we, when we try to move from, from talking about what God has done for us to now what we do, that we totally cut this off. And, and I don't want you to think in any way that now we have to be holy in order that God would accept us. No, the whole idea that God chose us to be holy and blameless means that we weren't holy and blameless. And so we, we don't be holy and blameless to make ourselves acceptable to God. God accepts us in order that we would become holy and blameless. You are adopted. It is secure in order that you would be holy and blameless. That's the first purpose. Now look at the second purpose. This is what God wants to achieve. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. So, so when God adopted you, he did it because he wanted to get praise for his grace. So this means that we have this purpose of being holy and blameless before God, and we have this purpose of being 
of praising God's grace. These have, these are meant to come together. That God is going to get praise for his grace when he is the one that is seen to work out this holiness and blamelessness in our lives. There's, just as there's two different kinds of adoption, the legal adoption that we, we talked about is it's based upon the worthiness of the person being adopted. And then gospel adoption is this adoption that we have through Christ that's not based upon anything that, we, that is in ourselves. Legal adoption is a plan B. Gospel adoption is God's plan A. So in the same way as we pursue holiness in our lives, that there is a legal holiness and there is a gospel holiness. And it's this gospel holiness that God wants to create in our lives. Legal holiness is, is simply going through the motions. We see what God says in his word, and so we're going to do it. But it's disconnected from the adoption that he has given to us. This gospel holiness is a holiness that God creates specifically because he's adopted us into his family. Paul explains this for us in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. As he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he doesn't say work for. He says work out. You already have it. Work it out. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The reason why we work is because God is working in us. The reason why we are pursuing holiness is that God has adopted us into his holy family. Now, John Owen wrote, wrote it this way. He says, holiness is nothing but the implanting, writing, and living out the gospel in our souls. That's, that's what holiness is. Holiness is God taking the truth of the gospel and actually writing it onto our lives and, and working it out in us. So how is this going to happen? All right. I was recently read the a story of a gal, a little girl in Uganda. Her name is Charlotte. From Charlotte Awine. And, and Charlotte was abducted from uh, her home when she was 14 years old. And she was forced into slavery under the Lord's Resistance Army for eight years. She was uh, eventually rescued and adopted uh, into a family. Now, Imagine Charlotte has been adopted into a family. She's been given uh, all uh, of the, the privileges of being free from the, the being enslaved to, to the Lord's Resistance Army, the LRA. But yet, she runs back. She runs, runs back and uh, she goes back to, to serving this rebel group. Her father now goes and, and searches for her and he finds her and he says, Charlotte, Charlotte, what, what, what are you doing? Why are you here? What's Charlotte going to answer in that moment? See, I, I, I think there's, there's some people that have found themselves in Charlotte's position and, and they would say, well, I know you adopted me, so I can just do now whatever I want to do. Or there's some people that would 
resonate more with a, a response from Charlotte that might sound like this. Well, I know you adopted me, but I really got to prove to you that, that I was really grateful, and this, this is what I know to do. This is how I work to prove it. God freed you so that you wouldn't have to go back to the slavery of sin. That the, the, the holiness that God has destined for you is, is freeing you from the enslavement of sin. And this is what God wants to do in your life. He, he wants to take his word and he wants to wash you and clean you as his child. And I was <clears throat> looking over the, the Sermon on the Mount this week, and I thought over and over again how in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about your heavenly father, your heavenly father, your heavenly father. And I realized that Jesus gave us the Sermon on the Mount to be his word, to wash over us as his children, to make us into the holy children of our father that he desires us to be. So I, I want to bring your attention to just some different passages here in the Sermon on the Mount. Say, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like to live as a holy child of God, as one who God is able to work out the holiness and blamelessness in our lives. You know, and, and I want to put these specifically in these terms of our adoption. Because I am adopted, this is how I live in relationship to my Father. As you hear these, I, I, I'm going to share them with you, and I hope that some of them are going to be a landing place on your heart. You're going to say, yeah, you know what, I need to hear that one. Or these are going to be like a launching pad, and the Holy Spirit's going to use these to, to prompt out other ways that your adoption, God wants your adoption to work out in your life. So first of all, because I am adopted, I can forgive and love those who have mistreated me. Because I am adopted, I can forgive and lo love those who have mistreated me. Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. See, see God intends to use your adoption that you would be an ambassador of love and forgiveness to others. You do not need, as a child of God, you do not need to keep score. You do not need to plot revenge. Secondly, because I am adopted, I can give generously to those in need. Because I am an adopted child of God, I can be generous with what he's given to me. Matthew 6, verses 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When we really grasp the wonder of our adoption, it's in grasping what God has done in adopting us into his family that we want others to share in this blessing as well. So to really know the security of your adoption doesn't mean that you, means that you don't have to use your resources to try to, to secure status for yourself that you are a child of God who has been freed up to share your resources freely with those who are in need. Third, because I am adopted, I can trust my heavenly Father and not give in to worry. Hey, this, you are a child of God. You do not need to be controlled by anxiety. Matthew 6, verses 25 and 26, 
Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Lastly, because I am adopted, I can pray with confidence. One of the greatest blessings that you have as a child of God is knowing that you can come to God in prayer and you can lay your requests out before Him and you don't have to prove anything to Him. It's because He is your Father in heaven who loves you, He will hear your prayer. Listen, Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Because you are adopted child of God, prayer never needs to be your last resort. You know, we can resist the temptation. Because we are God's children, we can resist the temptation to to measure our worth, to measure uh, our standing before God based upon our circumstances. Because we are God's adopted children, we do not need to work for His acceptance. It's because He has accepted us that we work and pursue our holiness. May your life bring praise to God as you trust in the security of your adoption in Jesus Christ, that holiness may truly be reflected in your life. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I want to pray this morning for my brothers and sisters that the washing of the water of your word would cleanse them and remind them of the greatness of the privilege they have as adopted children of you. In the one you love, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there, arrayed and mantled on my 
my Savior. 